Well, hey there. Thanks so much for joining us on the Hope Fellowship Church podcast. If these messages have blessed your life, go ahead and subscribe by clicking the subscribe button inside the podcast app. And if your life has been impacted by this ministry, would you consider supporting it financially so that we can continue to love God, love people, and prove it? You can give by visiting hope615.com slash give. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you are blessed through today's message. You know, throughout the week, I, I try to read, and, and sometimes God will use a person's testimony in my life to really make me think about what all we're doing and why do we even do church. And so this was a unique story I read this week, a testimony of a man who had been a pastor uh, in a church, in a really large church. And I really don't even know the circumstances of what happened, but he's no longer serving in vocational ministry. But now he was telling the story of just what his life looks like just to go to church. And how his perspective on Sunday morning, gathering for worship, is very different than what it was when he served on a church staff. And uh, I think at times, hope, we, the church that meets here at Rock Springs Elementary, we're a bit guilty of of maybe trying to do a little bit too much. Hey, do this, come to that, stand up, sing this song, sit down. And a part of church quite often is just to be still before the Lord. And so before I even begin to preach today, I want us to do that just for a moment. You might begin to reflect on that song we just sang. Many of you know, God is so good. I grew up singing that song in the church that that I grew up in. And so for a moment this morning, before we open up the Word, before I begin to talk to you about the text that we're going to look at today, I just want to invite you to be still before the Lord. Uh, I've had some conversations with a few of you this morning already before church started. And for some of you, you're just in a a hard season. And things are not going awesome. And so during this time of being still before the Lord, I want to encourage you, instead of coming to church and just listening to someone else say a prayer, to, to pray. There may be something in your life, a hurt. There may be something that's played out this week that was just hard, difficult, painful. You may have something inside of you that you know, you know in your heart, you're like, I need to let go of this, and I need to ask the Lord to forgive me. Whatever it is, would you just this morning with me be still before the Lord? If you need to bow your head to do that, please do so, and let's just take a moment to be still and silent before the Lord.
Thank you, Lord, for this morning. God, even in the midst of what is sometimes difficult, God, thank you that you are faithful. God, some of us in this room this morning are discouraged. Some of us are walking in fear. Some are walking in uncertainty. Many are perhaps kind of faking it as if everything's fine. But God, may we be a transparent and a real people who humbly come before you, acknowledging our desperate need for you. God, thank you that you hear us, that you love us, and that you show us your grace and your mercy and your provision. In this name I pray, amen. Well, we're, we're uh, in this series talking about next to now, and uh, we started uh, in, it's only a three-week sermon series, but, but we started, and I ask you to just think about your personal relationship as an individual. What does it look like? Where am I as a person? Do I think too much about the future rather than living in the present? Then we came back, and week two, we talked about how does this apply to relationships? If you're married, if you're dating... If you're a parent, how does all this work? What does it mean to live in the present? And then today, we're going to talk for a few minutes about the church, the body of Christ. Here we are. And uh, man, there was a lot of reflection for me this week, thinking about today. And I, I don't even know. It's like, what has happened? How does this happen so quickly? But here's what I've reflected on. Eight years. Just hear me out. Hope Fellowship Church has been gathering in this gym for over eight years. That's over 400 Sunday morning worship services. 400. And some of you in this room have been at most of those worship gatherings. I began to look at what God has done through just seeing people come to know Christ and follow in believers' baptism. Do you realize that in eight years, 176 people have been baptized, new believers following Jesus Christ? 176 people eternally transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's amazing. There have been so many what I would call God moments. God moments, divine appointments, call it what you want. It, it is pretty much impossible for me to adequately process just what I personally have seen the Lord do and you all have seen so much as well. I think about in these past eight years how you have been very generous. Monica just mentioned the goal last week, just one special offering for missions for Carson was $3,500. You gave $5,170-something at a lunch. Amazing. You have embraced this motto. We're going to love God. We're going to love people. And we are going to prove it. Many of you have embraced that simple motto. 
And because of that, look what the Lord has done. He has grown this little body of believers to be one of the healthiest churches in North Rutherford County. Now, over these past eight years, there have been lots of questions. There have been lots of conversations. The most common question I feel the weight of is, as your pastor is this. Hey, Pastor Kent, what's next? Hey, Pastor Kent, we gonna buy some land? Hey, Pastor Kent, are we gonna build a building? Hey, Pastor Kent, what's gonna happen if we do something wrong and Mr. Lewis here at the school kicks us out? Yeah, did you like that? <laughs> and here's my answer to all of those questions. I'm not sure. But I am sure of this. Listen to me. God knows. God knows. I would rather not know over these past eight years how many hours I've spent driving around Laverne and Smyrna, Tennessee, looking at land, looking at possible buildings that might be for rent. I don't want to know how many hours I've done that because it's a lot. I'd rather not know how many hours I've opened up my laptop and searched commercial real estate websites. I'd rather not know how much time I've spent just talking about what might be next for our church. Now, some of you listening to me say that, you're like, dude, well, I, dude, like you're the pastor. You're supposed to be doing that stuff, dude. Dude. Well, perhaps. But if I think about what we're talking about, looking toward the future, present, the next is now, what if, in all my efforts to be so focused on the future, what if in doing that, this, by the way, could be true for you as well, what if in all my efforts are only focused on the future and I begin to ignore the now and I begin to miss out on what God desires to do right now. And what does that mean? It, it means possibly I'm not fully living on mission the way God desires for me to be living. There's a really fine balance here. I would say this applies to every single one of us. Let me just remind you of a couple of things this morning. We, we are the church. I talked about this briefly in the huddle this morning. All of us in this room, we are the church. Hear me out. Church happens with or without a building, doesn't it? Some of my guys are right here on the front row. Church happened Thursday night in the Laverne High School cafeteria, did it not? It did. It did. As some of these guys helped us feed a football team. Mark and Beth can relate, living in that world right now too, just another high school. Church is happening. Wednesday night, we had a big party. Watch Macy's little TV thing. And of course, since it's a singing show, we came up with this great idea. We should go to Miss Kelly's karaoke. 
Y'all ever heard of that place? It's in a pretty sketchy part of downtown Nashville. Y'all heard of Printer's Alley? Oh yeah, I was there. Would you believe church happened? Check this out. There really is a Miss Kelly. I talked to her on the phone. And we had some time to talk prior to Macy's little group of friends showing up to watch the show and sing a karaoke. And I learned that Kelly's a believer. And uh, she's quite the bartender. I observed some of that. But at the same time, she's like, I don't even drink. She told me how she had just returned from Israel. And then she said something to me that was like, you know, I said, hey, I'm a pastor. This is kind of weird. I'm hanging out at the karaoke bar. She said to me, you know what? We need more pastors to Printer's Alley. Church. Church. Church was happening. Meaningful conversations. And so really what I, I, this morning, I got to talk to Susan for a minute. We had a little bit of church. Got to talk to Beth for a minute. We had a little bit of church. You see, if, if you get into this mindset that all church really is, is you sliding in here, and I know a lot of you missed the first song. You're like, it's okay, it's okay, I'm gonna miss the first song. But you know, now you get seated in time for the second song. And, and then you're like, church to you is just like, okay, I liked one of those two songs. And if the sermon's you know, okay, well, I did church. That is, that is not church. It's a part of it. It's a worship gathering, but it's so much more. And so God's plan is for us to love God, to love people, to prove it, to be the church. I don't know if you realize this. I haven't talked about this in several years. The statistics haven't changed. Eight, somewhere between 18 to 20% of the people that live in our community don't go to anybody's church. I just said that wrong. Let me say it again. It was so convincing. <laughs> Only 18 to 20% of the people that live in our community do go to someone's church, which means, follow with me, I didn't do so well. I didn't do so well in math, man. Forgive me. Okay. What this means is that 80% of the people in our community are not engaged at all. Most of them don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Therefore, what I believe God's plan is, is for us to take the gospel of Jesus Christ to our community. All right, does that make sense? Are you with me? Here's what this also means. We can't say, hey, we're going to do that later. We can't say, hey, you know, let us just focus all of our attention right now on, on buying land or building a building and then get all settled in, then we'll reach out to those 80% of people. No, that's, we can't wait because God desires for us to be the church now. Another article I read this week. How many of you are familiar with the theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer? Just put your hand in the air, wave it like you don't care. What a name. Hello, my name is Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Really an incredible author, theologian. 
So much to learn from his writings. There's a classic book he wrote entitled Life Together. Listen to the first four words of this one paragraph. Bonhoeffer writes, God hates visionary dreaming. You're like, what? Just hang with this. God hates visionary dreaming. It makes the dreamer proud and pretentious. And I want you to think about this in, in the role of leading a church, being a pastor, having great vision. Look at what Bonhoeffer warns. The man who fashions a visionary ideal of community demands that it be realized by God, by others, and by himself. So he enters the community of Christians with his demands. He sets up his own law, and he judges the brethren and God himself accordingly, and he stands adamant. A living reproach to all others in the circle of the brethren. He acts as if he is the creator of the Christian community, as if his dream binds men together. Then, when things do not go his way, he calls the effort <sighs> failure. When his ideal picture is destroyed, he sees the community going to smash. So, he becomes first an accuser of his brethren, then an accuser of God, and finally the despairing accuser of himself. And so you're like, Kent, what, I don't, what, what is this? Why are you reading this to me? Listen to me. It is, it is because my prayer, my humble prayer as your pastor is, is to pray, Father God, would you, Lord, never allow my vision for this church to be only mine? But Heavenly Father, would you guide us and show us like only you can. God, would you give us wisdom and clarity so that we might see you at work, so that we might see your guiding and your faithfulness and your perfect plans, Lord, and, and yes, God, even your provision. Friends, hear me, hear me. We cannot do this man's way. We must do it God's way. So, What's God's way? How, how is this supposed to work? What is God's way for church? What does the Bible show us about church? Shocker. I went back again to the New Testament book of Acts chapter two. I can't get away from this. What were they doing? Now, before we read it, not only are we gonna look at what were they doing, but we have to be really honest with ourselves and we've got we've to ask the questions, are we doing these same things? Yes or no? Look with me, Acts chapter 2. We'll put it on the screen. Pentecost has happened. God is moving in an incredible way. And look what the church is doing. So now, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. 
And all the believers were together and they had everything in common and they sold property and possessions to give to those who had need. And every day, every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord, during all this time, added to their number daily those who were being saved. And you can look at this and you can ask some really basic They were devoted to Scripture. Are we? They were devoted to prayer. Are we? They were devoted to biblical community. Are we? And in thinking about all of this and looking at that text, for whatever reason, the Lord reminded me uh, of the Old Testament journey of, of Moses as he was delivering the Israelites from bondage, and then Joshua takes over. Let me just remind you of some of this. Joshua is finally, he's finally about to lead the Israelites into the promised land. You know, Moses had been with the Israelites for 40 years. They are wandering aimlessly in the desert. 40 years. Moses dies. Moses passes the mantle of leadership onto Joshua. And just before Joshua leads the people to cross the Jordan River into the promised land, Joshua says to the people, he says this in Joshua chapter 3, verse 4, he says to them, listen to this, you have never been this way before. That resonates with me. Hey, people of God, you have never, ever been this way before. And he says, since you've never, ever been this way before, Joshua tells the people, the only way you're going to know where to go is by following the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant, the very presence of Almighty God. And he tells his people, we're going to follow God. You've never been this way before, but look for the presence of God and you will know then where to go. You will then know how to navigate this path. It's because you'll be totally focused on God. Why? Because he will guide you. The same is true for us. In order for Hope Fellowship Church to be able to navigate since we've never been this way before, we must learn to live like the New Testament church did in the book of Acts. We must learn to turn our eyes to Jesus and follow him. Now I want you to think about a couple of things because what I'm talking about here requires incredible faith. And to some Christians, it's a little confusing. You're like, hold on a second, the Old Testament, I don't understand it all. Well, first of all, Moses, when they were leaving bondage, he led the Israelites through the Red Sea. And, and how many of you watch the Ten Commandments? You know, it's on every Easter. You know, it lasts like 17 hours. 
And so they're finally, you know, it's like, whoa, they're about to cross the sea. And so what does he do? All Moses does, man, he's got that staff. And he raises up the staff, and what happens? You know, it's the most pathetic special effects you've ever seen. It's like, wow. But, but Moses raises his staff, the, the sea parts, and the Bible says the people cross through on dry ground. Yes, yes. So now 40 years has passed. Moses has died. Look at this. And Joshua is now about to take the Israelites into the promised land. But it's different this time. As they cross the Jordan River, Joshua says to the people, people of God, I need a a priest from every one of the 12 tribes and the priest will be the ones to carry the Ark of the Covenant, but he tells the priest, the first thing I want you to do is to step foot into the water. Think about what happened 40 years ago. They've been telling this story 40 years Moses holds up the staff, the waters part, we go through on dry ground. But it's different this time. Joshua says, I want you to take the ark and I want you to step out in faith into the Jordan River. Do you see the difference? With Moses, he raises the staff, the waters part, the people cross. But with Joshua, greater faith is required. I want you to step out into the water. I I know, he says, you've never been this way before. I know you've never done this before, yet I want you to watch and see, he says, what God Almighty will do. And, And this is where we are as a church. I feel for many of us, myself included at times, I just want God to do some miraculous miracle. The waters part, we cross over on dry ground, and it's like, yeah, we got a church, we got land, whatever. Yet don't you believe our journey is going to be more like Joshua when he led the people across the Jordan River? You're going to have to show some faith. You're going to have to wade out there into that water before you see the miraculous work of God. And so my desire, my desire for you is that we would all trust and follow the Lord. Now let me update you on some things. Part of what I want to talk to you about today as a church body is just what we've seen the Lord do, doors he's open, and, and doors, honestly, he's closed over this past several months. First thing I want to talk to you about is the YMCA. I could not have been more thrilled one year ago. We had been working on conversation with the YMCA for quite some time. If you're, if you're in the room and you're like, well, what are you talking about? Let me fill you in, because there has to be clarity. Everybody needs to know the big picture. We approached the YMCA probably about two years ago. I'm talking about the Y on Sam Ridley Parkway with a simple proposal. Would you all consider partnering with a local church to build out a phase two? And part of that phase two would be church building. Part of it would be shared space. Part of it would be YMCA new space. At first they said, not so sure about that. But then they found out that it's been done in four or five cities around the nation, and all of them have turned into a win-win. So the YMCA then said, that's a pretty good idea. Let's talk some more. So we talked some more. We prayed some more. 
we, there were preliminary drawings put together. We're like, oh my goodness, there's a picture of a building on a piece of paper. And the YMCA's plan, anytime they do fundraising, and the agreement was gonna be Hope Fellowship Church, if you will commit to pay for half this, then the Y will pay for half this, it could be a great partnership. So all this work is being done to try to get it to a place where we could say, church, we have a presentation for you so we might move forward. So the YMCA, the way they fundraise is like many large organizations. They privately go to donors who have very deep pockets. Do you know what that means? People with lots of money. And the YMCA of North Rutherford County was counting on one significant donor. All I'll say is this. When the YMCA on Sam Ridley Parkway was built, this donor group gave $2.3 million, basically built the place. Okay, that's a nice little check. I believe the YMCA thought that would happen. That group said, sorry, we're not going to be able to do that. Our next question was, well, surely there's some more people that you you have in mind to, to go to. No. But they said, we love this idea. We, we still want to do this. We, we just would like for Hope Fellowship Church to pay for the whole thing. And we said, you know, probably not. They still would love for us to walk in and say, let's do it. We'll pay for the whole thing. So I'm, I'm telling you, could God miraculously do something? Sure, he could. Could he change the hearts of that one donor that has the ability to write a multi-million dollar check? Sure. But at this point, what I'm telling you is we don't sense that a part of the YMCA will come to fruition. Thing number one, just needing to update everybody on that because you'll remember towards the end of last year, we had this big Sunday night meeting and it was awesome. I I feel like we were stepping out there into the water. You know, how's it feel? What's it feel like? And yet, for whatever reason, that seems not to be God's plan. So then you begin to think through the things that we've all thought about. Well, could we potentially as a church buy a piece of land Well, that's realistic. Could we potentially buy an existing building that could be repurposed to be a church? Sure, that's realistic. Could we, as a congregation, potentially identify a church in North Rutherford County that maybe they're they're in their senior season of life and they're for the first time thinking about potentially some new leadership and partnering with someone like Hope? Could Could God do that? Absolutely. The Lord could do all of those things. Yet we still don't have crystal clear clarity. So here's what I'm telling you today. I I am more excited about this because what I believe God will do through this is give us clarity and unity as a church body. On Sunday, September the 29th, a little over a month away, Sunday, September 29th, I'm going to ask you to join me for 21 days of prayer. 21 days in a row. During this month, yes, we'll have Sunday morning worship like we always do, but we're also gonna encourage you to gather with us on Sunday night. We're going old school for one month. We're having Sunday night church, brother. But in addition to praying together for 21 days, we'll gather together as a people and just to get on our knees before the Lord and as a church body say, God, we desperately need you to give us direction. Why? Why can't we just stay here for the next 10 years? Well, because the school made some rules. And the rules say that we can't stay here for the next 10 years. 
Although we have an incredible relationship with the school. We love the school. They love us. It's all good. But at the same time, we believe that God's timing and the future is important for us to think about what's ahead, but continue to focus on the now. 21 days of prayer. I wish I could get up here today and tell you everything that God's going to do. I don't know, church, but I believe with all of my heart, he does. And I think the only way we're going to get to the heart of what God has for us next is to join together as a church and pray and then listen. Pray and then listen. But what do we do in the meantime We just do what happened in the New Testament church. We continue to love. We continue to serve. We continue to live on mission the way we see the church in the book of Acts living. And so I can't think of a better way to really continue to focus on, Lord, who you are right now, and Lord, what do you have next for us than for us this morning to partake of communion? So that's what we're going to do in just a moment, but let me talk to you about that just just before we do. Um, The Bible very clearly in the New Testament says that when we gather together as the church, one should examine themselves. Perhaps some of that's already happened for you this morning. Perhaps that's happened for you a little bit when we had that time of prayer and just being still before the Lord. And so I want you to begin to do that. Well, what does that look like? That, that means that you can simply begin to pray, God, are there things in my life prohibiting me from communing with you? Lord, is there unconfessed sin? God, are there relationships that are just not right that, that I need to say something to someone, maybe even apologize? So the Bible says we're to examine ourselves before we partake. Let me just say this too. The Lord's Supper, communion, It is reserved for those who know Christ to be their personal Savior and their Lord. And so you'll know that at Hope Fellowship, sometimes we we will have all the elements here in the front and we'll have deacons come and pass them row by row. But today, as Jared mentioned early in the service, we've got four different tables, two on this side of the gym and two on this side of the gym. And and in just a moment, I'm going to have some of our deacons and our leadership move to those tables to serve you. Now, this is a little bit different, but hear me. Here's what we want to invite you to do today. Whenever you're ready, you're invited to get up and move to one of those tables. And and I think the reason is, well, am I supposed to carry this back to my seat with me or partake of the bread and the juice at the table? I want to invite you to do that right then, in that moment at the table. Think about what it means. When the tray is placed before you, it represents the body of Christ. Christ's body broken for you. And partake and remember. And then when you receive the cup and you drink, Christ's blood shed for you. We remember. We remember. The ultimate sacrifice, the ultimate expression of love, God sending his son, Jesus. Let me read to you one of the New Testament accounts of what happened when Christ gathered with the disciples. 
to receive communion. 1 Corinthians 11 says this, that the Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, this is my body, which is for you. So do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And then the reminder in verse 28 says, and everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ are actually eating and drinking judgment on themselves. We have this opportunity now, and my prayer is that we would be focused on the present and at the same time look toward the future that God will guide us to. Let's pray together before we participate in communion. Heavenly Father, thank you again. For all that is happening. Thank you for the eight years. Thank you for the 176 people who have passed through the baptismal waters, new life through your son Jesus Christ. Thank you for the so many testimonies of how we've seen you to be faithful. Thank you for times like today. Where, where church really is a whole lot more than just singing some songs and listening to a sermon. God, for the conversations, for the opportunity to love and encourage one another. God, for times like this, to go to the table, to partake of the Lord's Supper, remembering the ultimate sacrifice of your son, Jesus. But God, in all of this, what a joy it is to look beyond the cross, to know that the tomb is empty and that you reign on the throne. It's overwhelmingly amazing. And we're thankful. So God, today, help us to remember and help us to never take for granted the gift of your son, Jesus. And it's in his name we all pray. And everybody said, amen. Well, thanks again for listening to the Hope Fellowship Church podcast. If you're interested in becoming more connected at Hope Fellowship Church, please visit hope615.com slash get connected.